0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Keep and Talk Stock Market News. In today's episode, I will summarize and explain the trading day of Wednesday, the 26th of April, 2023. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Yesterday's trading day has been mostly mixed. In Tuesday's episode, I talked about the fact that the rally we have seen in the past weeks has been very narrow and mostly focused on mega cap tech stocks. And the tech stocks certainly are the winner of Wednesday's trading day. Microsoft reported earnings of $2.45 per share. Earnings per share of 2.23 were expected by analysts, according to Refinitiv. Revenue of Microsoft was at 52.86 billion, 51.02 was expected by analysts. Even though we got the news yesterday that Microsoft's potential merger with Activision has been blocked by the UK due to antitrust issues, the shares still finished the trading day up by 7.24% at 29537 and this rise in uh, the share price is obviously due to the great earnings that were reported by Microsoft. Google parent Alphabet also reported earnings today of 1.1 yesterday, not today, of $1.17 per share versus 1.07 per share expected. The company also reported revenue of 69.79 billion dollars versus 68.9 expected. Shares of Alphabet finished the trading day down by 0.15% at $104.45. Last but not least, Meta reported earnings of $2.20 per share and revenue of $28.65 billion, which topped analysts' expectations of $27.65. This is significant because Meta reported a decline in revenues for the past three periods. Despite these earnings that beat the expectations of analysts, the other major U.S. indexes finished the the trading day in the red. The reason for that is the fear of a banking crisis. First Republic reported this week that their deposits significantly fell and the bank has to in fact borrow from Federal Reserve lending institutions in order to secure deposits. The problem with the lending from the Federal Reserve lending institutions is that these loans are given out at very high rates. As of now, First Republic Bank has been a unique case in the banking sector. Other regional banks have reported stabilizing deposits and generally earnings that beat analysts' expectations. However, when looking a little more closely at the earnings or um, generally at how much money has been borrowed from Federal Reserve institutions, we can indeed spot some issues um, when looking at the other regional banks as well. According to the Financial Times, First Republic Bank reported that as of the end of the first quarter, it borrowed $63 billion from the Federal Reserve discount window, in addition to another $14 billion under the new bank term funding program from the Federal Reserve. However, and that is where it becomes interesting, the loans outstanding from these two Federal Reserve lending institutions were $88 billion and $64 billion, respectively, as of March 31. This indicates that other banks have borrowed around $70 billion, according to Robert Armstrong, from the Financial Times, from these Federal Reserve funding institutions. Looking ahead, this could put pressure on the next earnings season because lending from these Fed institutions requires 5% interest at the window and 4.9% from term funding. If many banks need to borrow money at that rate, then that will put downward pressure on net interest income, which will put um, the banking sector under under stress in the long term. Regarding this topic, the Financial Times quotes Matt Maley, chief market strategist at Miller Tabak & Co. He believes that, quote, those who were hoping for a soft landing are losing some confidence based on what is happening at First Republic. It is raising the idea of credit contraction. Credit contraction is not good for bank earnings and not good for the economy, end of quote. Next week, we will get another rate decision from the Federal Reserve. An interest rate hike of 25 basis points is expected. However, it is crucial what Jerome Powell will say during the press conference and what other comments uh, we're getting from Fed officials in general. Even though I do expect another interest rate hike of 25 basis points, I expect the Fed to be much less hawkish given the relatively weak economic data we have gotten in the previous weeks. However we also got data in the past weeks that indicate a very resilient economy for example the fact that the unemployment rate fell to 3.5% in march and wage inflation still remains high so even though i do expect the fed to be less hawkish i still believe that it i apologize for that i still believe that it will hold rates at a higher level for longer uh, given the fact that we have such a resilient labor market and based on that a very resilient consumer The distribution of post-pandemic income gains has certain macroeconomic implications, which most market participants are slightly underestimating, in my opinion. I believe that because the consumers have much stronger finances, the consumers at the bottom of the income distribution have gained spending power, and that will result in growth and inflation being stickier than expected. If we take a look at the earnings from Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Procter & Gamble and McDonald's too, which uh, just to name a few, we can see that companies are still able to pass on higher prices to consumers, which ultimately could mean that the Federal Reserve has to keep rates at a higher level for longer than is currently anticipated by the markets. However, the Fed will get quite a bit of economic data before the meeting next week, tomorrow or today actually. We will get GDP data and on Friday we will get the very important core PCE measure, which is very important a very important measure of underlying inflation for the Federal Reserve. Let me give you some insight into core PCE very quickly. The Fed wants core PCE to fall to 3.5% by the end of this year. I conducted an analysis in which I looked at every period since the 1960s when core PCE was at the Fed's target of 3.5% or below. And what I found was that the average unemployment rate during those periods was 5.5%, which is 2% higher than the current level. This to me is indicating that the labor market needs to lose resilience in order for the Fed to ensure that inflation is on a sustainable downward trajectory. We got some more interesting economic data on Wednesday. New orders for durable goods jumped unexpectedly 3.2% in March compared to February, which is indeed an indication of a strong economy. But the major indexes were not lifted up by that news. The reason for that is markets are already pricing in a scenario of immaculate disinflation. And if you're already pricing in a relatively strong economy throughout 2023, then those news, of course, are not going to have that much upward pressure on equities. Let us now take a look at how the major U.S. indices performed on Wednesday's trading day. The S&P 500 finished in the red by 0.4% and fell to 4055.99. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 0.7% and fell to 3330187 and last but not least, the Nasdaq 100 finished up in the green by 0.5% at 11,854.35. The 10-year Treasury yield increased by around four basis points to 3.439%. And the CBOE VIX volatility index was up 0.17 of a point and increased to 1884 We have seen a lot of weakness in industries that are sensitive to potential economic weakness. The Dow Jones transportation average sank to the lowest level in nearly four months today, according to the Charles Schwab market update. And that is it for the stock market coverage for Wednesday, the 26th of April. I apologize for only uploading the episode today. Yesterday was a little, yeah, a little uh, a busy day for me and I was not able to upload an episode on time. But um, another episode will be released today in which I will cover Thursday's trading day. Have a great evening.